Okay, so we're in Luke 1, 39 through 56. And let me ask you a question. Have you ever, you ever had a bad day? One of you have, that's good. <laughs> I had a bad day not too long ago. And I was feeling sorry for myself, and I, I know you probably don't do that. Uh, kind of moaning and groaning about, you know, this happened and that happened, I'm just not feeling good. So I, I did what I have a tendency to do when I'm having a bad day. I went looking for comfort food. And I went to Panera, and I got the biggest, gooeyest pastry that they had. And, you know, and every time I eat one of these things, I don't even know what they call them. There's some kind of pecans or something in them and cinnamon and some stuff. Every time I eat one of these things, it tastes fantastic. And about 15 minutes later, it, you know, you have this big lump in your stomach. And so I figured, well, I'm having a bad day. I owe myself this. These things have happened to me. I'm not happy. And, and when I'm done having this, I get up to leave and I'm still not happy. I'm still not happy. And, and now if, if you've had a bad day, you can relate to that. Um, have you ever had a moment when the Spirit has just moved in you and wants to teach you something and just makes you acutely aware of His presence in your life? And I had that as I was walking out to my car. And it was th this thing that rose up in me, do you have any blessings? No, I'm having a bad day. <laughs> really? And then I, I look and I've, I've, I've got a car. And uh, for those of you that have been outside the country, uh, I mean, you know, this is an incredible blessing to have a car, and not only to have a car, but have gas in it. And so I got in my car, and I drove home, and I walked in the house, and I have a house. I have a roof over my head, and there's more food in the refrigerator if I haven't had enough comfort food already. And, and so... I, I had an opportunity to just reevaluate things. And see, that's kind of what our passage is about today. Now, we, we've been in Luke now. Uh, this is part three of what we're doing. And, you know, the series is all about God's love. And today, the truth that I want you to carry home with you today, the truth that applies to you and me, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, if you are born again, if the transformation has begun in you, it's you are blessed. You are blessed. If you learn anything at all about our time together this morning, learn this. You are blessed. So we've got, we've got this situation with Mary and Elizabeth. The enunciation of, of John the Baptist's birth has been made. There were some problems with Zechariah, uh, the angel. You know, Elizabeth's kind of right on the program all, all, all at one time. Zechariah needs to learn some lessons. But then the angel visits Mary. She's going to have a baby as well. This is not the great blessing that it is for Elizabeth. Uh, Mary is probably 14 or 15 years old. And this blessing brings with it a whole world of trouble because she's not married. She's betrothed. And so, you know, we, we, we like when we roll this into the Christmas story, there's all this warm fuzzies going around and everything. But Mary could, Mary could die. I, I mean, this is, was a, a, uh, a situation worth stoning. And worse than that, Joseph could die too. I mean, the assumption would be once everybody finds out Mary's pregnant and the marriage ceremony hasn't taken place, the assumption could be that, that they've had relations before they got married. 
So this is, this is a troubled situation, but what we saw was we saw in Mary the, the power of God moving in her. We saw this, this divine prophecy manifest itself in Mary's life, and this divine power overtake Mary, and, and uh, so she's, she's trying to deal with all that. So what we found out was that God blesses us in ways we don't always understand, and maybe in ways we don't always appreciate. Mary's situation was tough. And, and by the time we get to this passage, Joseph is trying to decide what to do. And Mary knows she's had to go and tell him. And Joseph is considering putting Mary away, divorcing her quietly, so that, so that she might be able to maintain some modicum of, of respect. But, you know, he cares for her. But this is just an untenable situation. And he's away making a decision. And Mary's trying to live in this and at the same time, Mary, as we found out in the last passage, Mary has embraced this announcement completely. And in this passage, we're going to find out how completely she's embraced it. So our truth for today is you'll be blessed. You are blessed. The sermon series is uh, Lessons in Luke. God's love for everyone. And the sermon title is Mary's Song. And in this passage... We're going to get two glimpses into Mary's heart. We will see the Mary's honor in verses 39 through 45, and then we will see Mary's hymn, Mary's song, in, in verses uh, 46 through 56. So let's take a look at Mary's honor. If you follow, follow along with me in your Bible, starting in verse uh, 39, uh, Mary's received this news. It is life-changing, um, potentially world-changing. How is Mary going to react? What, what does she do after she hears the news? And in verse 39, it says, in those days. Now, we don't want to make too much out of this. Uh, the NIV is a good translation here. It says, at that time, as she heard the news, Mary arose and went with haste. Now, obviously, she's in a hurry, but there's a bit more complexity to this word haste. This is, is the, the Greek word is spudes, okay? And it means with zeal with excitement, with anticipation as to what is going to happen. So she arose and went with haste, with zeal, into the hill country to a town in Judah. Now, with everything Mary's got to worry about, why would she go to Judah? Well, she, in verse 40, she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, I want you to see the scene here. Mary and Elizabeth. These are two women with two supernatural conceptions in their womb. And a lot of people will look at this and go, well, Mary had to get out of town. You know, she, you know what will the neighbors think? What will, what will her mom and dad think? She had to get away where nobody knew her and everything. But that's not what's happening. Because she goes with this zeal, with this great anticipation. Let me ask you something. When... when you've got something weighing upon you and you're trying to process it, what do you do? A lot of us go find somebody who can listen to us with some understanding. A lot of us go to, to, with, with somebody that can give us a sympathetic ear. Mary goes to the only other woman in the entire world that can possibly understand what's happening to her. 
The Holy Spirit has come on both of these women. So Mary runs. I mean, the angel said, Elizabeth is going to have a baby too. It's the angel saying, look, there's somebody else that's going the same thing you're going through. And Mary goes to see Elizabeth. They both have situations. Zachariah is not talking. You know, Elizabeth is embraces, but Zachariah's got some lessons to learn. Joseph was off making his decision. And look what happens in verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Now, the baby in her womb is John. He's the forerunner for the Messiah. Elizabeth knows what's going on there, and the baby makes a movement. So, watch this. Elizabeth doesn't go, oh, 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 something just happened. Boy, the baby's active today. Okay, Elizabeth knows that this is going to be the one who proclaims Jesus Christ. The prophecy was that John the Baptist would be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in her womb. And John the Baptist, in the presence of Jesus Christ, conceived in Mary's womb, makes the first proclamation of the gospel. He fulfills the prophecy stated over him. So he's the proclaimer. He makes an announcement. Elizabeth is the only one that feels it, but John the Baptist is on his way to fulfilling the prophecies made over him. And and then it says, and Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. I love this phrase. We see it frequently. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. Paul was filled with the Spirit several times. Peter was filled with the Spirit several times. Most notably, Stephen in Acts chapter 7, when he gets up to deliver his sermon to the Jews about the gospel, it says, Stephen, filled with the Spirit, stood up and began to speak. So what we find out, if we look at those situations, is being filled with the Spirit is being enabled, being supernaturally enabled for a specific point in time. So God enters into the situation and speaks through through Elizabeth, and so Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit, and, and again, we go back to that, that prophecy that was said over the baby, they'd be filled with the Spirit in her womb, so the baby's filled with the Spirit, by virtue of that, Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, the first half of 42 says. Now, this, this might be a song as well. Uh, there, there's some debate over it. I, I love the idea that it's a song, uh, because I think Elizabeth is singing from her heart here. Uh, it's, not, it, it's not structured like a song. I mean, you know, when you're reading along in the Bible and you see those indentations, uh, that's generally a poem or a song. And God inspires those poems and songs. I love the fact that he does. Uh, I, I would love to hear the melodies because we learn things from songs, don't we? I mean, we'll walk out of here today. Most of us will be humming one of the songs we sang this morning. And the reason that God has given us this music and this way of learning things is because it's easier for us to learn a song than it is a passage of Scripture. It just kind of comes to us naturally. We remember the tune. We associate the tune with the words. And so God speaks frequently through song. Maybe that's what's happening with Elizabeth here. But she says this with a loud cry. And again, there's excitement here. There's anticipation. She says... Blessed are you among women. Now, this is a Semitic way of saying you are most blessed. 
Mary is most blessed. You can see an example of that in Judges 5, 24, later on this afternoon. And, and it, it kind of goes back to the Jewish tradition that a woman's greatness is measured by the greatness of the children that were born to her. So what we find out is that Mary's blessedness depends entirely on her son and his greatness. Now watch what happens here. Because there's a lesson to be learned. Mary's blessedness, the state of Mary's blessedness is entirely dependent upon Christ in her. So she's not blessed because she's Mary. She's not blessed because of what she's done. She's blessed because she has an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And not only is she blessed, but she's most blessed. She's the most blessed of all women. It's a high honor. And then Elizabeth says this, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, again, this is part of a Jewish construct in which the second blessing uttered gives the cause of the first blessing. You are the most blessed among women because Jesus Christ is in you. It's absolutely fantastic. And catch this. Mary hasn't said a word yet. Mary's just walked in the house. And so I'm sure Mary was eager to go, Elizabeth, you know what happened? <laughs> and, but when Elizabeth starts, the, these prophecies start flowing from Elizabeth. And you can see Mary sitting there going, how does she know? What's going on here? And then, then Elizabeth drops the other boot rather heavily. She says, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord, and the word she uses here is kurios, it's the same word used when, when it says in Luke 2.11, unto you is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And, and see what's happening? Elizabeth has a miracle baby. Mary has a miracle baby. Elizabeth isn't going, oh, Mary, uh, you got a miracle baby? Hey, I got one too. I, I mean, you know, we do that. Guys do that together, don't they? Let me tell you what I did yesterday. Oh, that's pretty good. Well, let's see if you can beat this. I did this yesterday. <laughs> okay, Mary, Mary is, is just standing in front of Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is saying, you're the most blessed among women. We have this shared uh, supernatural event that's happening in us, and why would you come and visit me? Elizabeth has humbled herself before Mary. Her miracle is no greater than Mary's. She takes no position of superiority for age or position or whatever. She's not standing there saying, you know, I'm the wife of a priest. You know, I'm older than you. You're a young girl. I'll walk you through this. Don't worry. She's humbled by the fact that Mary's standing in front of her. And she sets the template. John the Baptist sublimates himself to Jesus Christ. He says, there's one coming behind me whose bootstraps I am not worthy of, of tying. And Elizabeth sets the tone for all that right here. She humbles herself before Mary, and then she tells Mary how she knows all this is going on. In verse 44, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt, leaped for joy. Not only has a baby leaped, but Elizabeth has this sense that the baby is leaping for joy. 
I mean, it's not the baby going, you know, I'm happy. So it's not, this is not just a typical, oh, the baby's moving a lot today. This is the baby in my womb is leaping for joy because you, the mother of my Lord, is here. So Elizabeth's song starts with a blessing for Mary and ends with a blessing for Mary. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Again, Mary hasn't said anything. And Elizabeth has just laid everything out in front of her. I know there's a baby in you. I know that this is a gift from God. I know that you are going to be the mother of the Son of God. And you are blessed. You are blessed among all women. But the greater blessing is that you are the mother of God's only Son. And you believe it, Mary. You've accepted it. So Elizabeth honors Mary right here in her faith. But the big honor that she gives Mary is tell her that she's blessed because of her relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, that's what we miss sometimes. We miss our greater blessing. It's so easy to get wrapped up in everything that's happening around us and the situations that we're in. It's so easy to lose our, our perspective on eternity. So Mary could very easily have gone, you know what, uh, it may seem like a blessing to you, but let me tell you something, Elizabeth, I'm in some trouble here. Well, we've already seen that Mary's embraced this, but she, she could be doing it with some hesitancy there. There might be something in her heart that focuses more on her situation than on the blessings she's receiving from God. We can do that. We can focus more on our situation than the blessings we receive from God. And we can allow the situation around us to define who we are, to define how our day is. Mary has chosen to define who she is and how her day is going by what her relationship with God is. This is why Elizabeth has the prophecy. It's just God telling Mary, I know. I know what's happening. And I've shared it with Elizabeth so that she can affirm in you that you're on the right track. If, if you came in here today and you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're blessed. You might not feel like you're blessed, but you're blessed. You're blessed with the greatest blessing anybody could ever have. You will live eternally with God, and that so far overshadows anything that's happening around you. This is the gift that Elizabeth is giving Mary. So how does, how does Mary respond to this honor that Elizabeth is giving her? What's Mary's song? Now, I, I, I just, I'm, just as an aside, I want to remind you that one of, the, one of the undercurrents that goes through Luke is his emphasis on women. And here we have Mary singing this song. This song is inspired. We know the song is inspired because it's right here in our scriptures, and all scriptures inspired, okay? And not only did the Holy Spirit inspire the song in and through Mary, but he inspired Luke to write it down. So it, it, here's the record right here of, of one of Luke's emphasis that women are important too. They're not just chattel. They're not just people that exist in the background. 
And so Mary has this incredible song, and it comes to us in two parts. Uh, the first part is very personal, and, and it begins in the present. Uh, and this is how she responds to this blessing, this honor that she's received. Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now, when she says, my soul magnifies the Lord, uh, the Latin word for magnify is magnificat. And this song is called the Magnificent. Um, Mary is pouring her heart out. She, she's filled with joy. She's filled with praise. She's filled with, with thankfulness. She magnifies the Lord. And she said, my spirit, I've been touched to my very spirit. I've been lifted up by God. And I rejoice in God, my Savior. I'm not, I rejoice in, my, in God who's put me in this terrible situation. He's her Savior. So she starts in the present. And then she shifts to the past, what God has done. For he has looked on the humble estate of this servant. She knows she's 14 or 15 years old. She knows she doesn't have much to offer. She knows the trouble she could be in. Yet God has seen her humble estate, seen her humble attitude, seen her humble situation. Then she shifts again, this time to the future, what God will do. So she talked about what God is doing, what God has done, and then she says what God will do. And this is right here in just two, two verses. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She has embraced God's promise. All generations after her will call her most blessed among women. She trusts God implicitly, regardless of what her situation is. She knows that Mary's past, Mary's present, and Mary's future lie in God's promises. Everything she has and everything she knows is totally dependent on who God is. And she trusts him. She lays hold of the promise that's been given to her and won't let go. And not only that, she doesn't lament it, she calls what God is doing in her mighty. Verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy in his, is his name. Mary says, what's going on in me is great and it's great and God is holy and I trust him implicitly. Mary is totally surrendered to God and has decided that she will define her life by the blessings she has received, not by the situations she's in. Now, the second half of her song is more general. There's some really great stuff in here. Uh, it, it, she kind of opens up uh, to Luke's Gentile audience here. Uh, we got to read between the lines a little bit, but in verse 50 she says, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Now she's talking about nations. And she doesn't say his mercy is strictly for the Jews. His mercy is for whoever fears God, for all who fear him. And what we're going to find out is that his mercy falls on all those who fear him, all those who have a rever reverential awe and worship of him, and judgment will fall upon those that don't. And this is all based on the history of Israel. So as Mary moves in to this second part of her song, the Jews that would read this and would be standing around here would understand everything that she says here very implicitly. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. So 
Israel has seen the strength of God's arm. They've seen the proud fall. The Assyrians, the Babylonians, the, the, uh, everybody that ever took them captive, the Egyptians, and so on and so forth. Verse 52, uh, she says, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. So God has put kings in place and brought kings down from their thrones. He's, he's elevated them and he's decimated them. And when she talks about God seeing those people in a humble estate, she's talking about herself. This, this one who would move kings and decide their fates has, has recognized me, has, has exalted me, and I'm not worthy of this. In 53, uh, she says, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Man, and she's talking about spiritual things here. She's not just, not just talking about food on the plate. Uh, she's talking about um, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We'll see this a little bit later on when uh, Jesus goes through the Beatitudes. So those who have a hunger and thirst for righteousness, God satisfies. Those who have a hunger and thirst for their own self and their self-centered and prideful God will go away empty. 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And what she's saying is, you people, Israel, all of you people that have been blessed by God for these last 2,000 years have been recipients of his mercy. And you know that because time and time again, you've fallen away from him and he has redeemed you. And in verse 55, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Now, Mary probably understands this verse better than anybody because what was the promise to Abraham? That he would become the father of nations. That his descendants would outnumber the stars in the sky. And that he would become a blessing to the nations. Mary has that blessing to the nations in her womb. And the promise is that he would be the Messiah that everybody was waiting for. So, Luke's account with Mary and her song ends with this. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So we've seen, we've seen this honor that was given to Mary. She's blessed not because of who she is, but because of Christ in her. She's honored by having this relationship with Jesus Christ. We heard Mary's hymn. Her past, she's thankful for what God has done. She's thankful for what God is doing. She's even thankful for what God is going to do, although she's not totally sure how that's going to roll out. What do we get from this? If we're like Mary, if we believe in Jesus Christ, if he's our savior, we're blessed. You're blessed. Now see, Mary had to make a decision. She had to decide whether or not her life was going to be defined by the blessings she received from God or by the trouble she was in. Brothers and sisters, we have that opportunity every day. We have the opportunity to define our lives and our walk by our relationship with God and what his promises to us
God has promised us that he would save us. He has promised us that he would prosper us spiritually. He's promised us that he would give us a home for all eternity. And I'm here today to tell you that if you have embraced those promises, then you are blessed with the same blessing that Mary has. You are most blessed amongst men and women. If you haven't laid hold of those promises, you can. Because the scripture says that if you confess your sins, if you repent and turn towards God, believe in Jesus Christ that he'll give you eternal life. And then you too will have the opportunity to define your life by your blessings or by your troubles. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that we can define our lives by the Spirit in us, Lord. We give you thanks for those moments when you remind us where to keep our eyes fixed on things above rather than things on this earth. I thank you for a moment in a parking lot, Father, where you say, John, take a look at me. Don't look around you. Look at me. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to recognize our blessings and give you thanks for what you've done in our past, what you're doing right now in our lives, and what you are going to do in our future. And we thank you for that moment that we stand before you for all eternity in praise and worship for the great God that you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.